You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 672 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from State Farm Arena on a Wednesday evening um, after a Hawks loss by a final score of 130 to 118. Uh, for those of you that may be new listeners to the podcast, uh, first of all, welcome. Second of all, I uh, try to remind everybody every once in a while about this, but I record live from the bowl at State Farm Arena after most home games if I'm able to do so. So there often is some background noise. My apologies for that. There was, uh, there was always some uh, some seats folding up and tables folding up and some loud pops every once in a while, so my apologies. But I like to have that on-the-scene feel for the podcast, so that explains that. Um, to that end, we will get to the game in a second. I wanted to say one more, th- one quick thing before we get going here. I uh, recorded a podcast yesterday with Seth Partnow of The Athletic, a former M- Milwaukee Bucks front office member, now an NBA writer over there at The Athletic, definitely an analytics guy, someone who knows the league very, very well, and I enjoyed that conversation. So if you missed it, go back and listen to it, tell a friend about the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. One news item before we get to the game itself was that uh, Bruno Fernando and Ty Wallace went to College Park for a game on Tuesday, uh, one of those quick one-day assignments that we've now seen twice from the Hawks with Bruno and Ty Wallace. Bruno had 20 points, six rebounds, six assists, two blocks, and two steals. was much, much better in his game against College Park the second time around than he was in the first stint, and he went down there in the G League. Um, and also, by the way, in this game, Charlie Brown and Brandon Goodwin were actually called up, so the Hawks had two guys go down to the G League and brought back four <laughs> when they with the two two-way guys. Um, though Rowdy not play Goodwin actually did. We'll talk about him a little bit uh, later on in the podcast. The Hawks were three-point underdogs at home in this game. No Kyrie Irving or Karis LeVert for Brooklyn, so a pretty level playing field for the Hawks in this game. It was definitely winnable in a lot of ways. We'll talk about how it could have been different throughout the podcast, but uh, that's a good thing to point out here is that this is a game that the Hawks could have won if they executed a little bit better. Not a, not a blowout by any means. You know, the, the, the final margin was a double-digit one, and they were down by double digits for a, lot, for a lot of the fourth quarter, but for most of the game, it was back and forth. And, uh, yeah, there you go on that. Um on the Hawks' side, in terms of injury stuff, Kevin Herter made his um, return after an 11-game absence. We'll talk about him, but he was on a minutes restriction of 15 minutes that was definitely uh, adhered to by Lloyd Pierce and his staff, so he was limited in this game, and DeAndre Hunter was listed as doubtful with the, with the finger issue that he suffered um, in the game on Monday. He did not play at all in this game. No big surprise there. Uh, Herter told uh, Sarah Spencer of the AJC that his shoulder's not 100%, which is a little bit interesting. I thought the Hawks might give him the extra three days off. He looked healthy in this game, although pretty timid. We'll talk about that a little bit later on the podcast. I was a little bit surprised that he played here, but nothing uh, terribly shocking. And the Hawks also were without Chandler Parsons, which probably uh, facilitated maybe the Charlie Brown recall in terms of emergency situation. Uh, Parsons had had flu-like symptoms and did not play in this game. Um, Last thing, sort of big picture before we get started here, was that this was the return of Torian Prince to Atlanta for the first time in another uniform. People have, honestly, candidly, I kind of forgot about this too before the game actually started, but Torian spent his first three years of his career in Atlanta. He was, of course, the centerpiece of the trade that uh, netted the Hawks two first-round picks, one of which was sent to New Orleans, but the other one is now owed to Atlanta for the future. But Torian came back, um, had 23 points in this game, had the... the, um, Tribute video that you might expect for someone who played three years was a first-round pick here, so want to at least mention that at the top of the podcast. So, to the game itself, uh, in the early going, in fact, the first quarter, the Hawks led this game by, by four points. It was a kind of a slow 
early portion of the game on both ends of the floor for both teams, but the Hawks did have a 9-2 run to open the game up, and five quick points from Cam Reddish out of the shoot, um, sort of foretelling what was going to be a big night for Cam. He was probably the brightest spot in this game, aside from maybe Trey Young. Um, was Reddish's play, he was fantastic. It was the best offensive performance of his career by a pretty substantial margin, and he, he started things off early and often with a catch-and-shoot three, and then a nice contested layup over Jared Allen in the opening minutes. Um, Trey Young had his way with drop coverage throughout this game for the Nets. They would play a traditional conservative defensive scheme that was allowing the Hawks to do whatever they wanted to do. I actually asked Lloyd Pierce after the game about um, both Damian Jones and Alex Lang getting a ton of easy baskets. It also extends to Trey Young. Just the way that they were playing defense kind of allowed the Hawks to pick that apart. And to Atlanta's credit, they were pretty aggressive. And, you know, Brooklyn wants to force you into mid-rangers is what Pierce was saying to me in, my, in his answer after the game. And uh, they didn't settle for him. You know, Trey had some floaters, but that, that's a great shot for him most of the time. He's very, very good at that shot. And then a ton of dunks and layups for Jones and Len um, to take advantage of the Brooklyn defense. That started off in the early going and continued throughout the game. Um, the Hawks led by as many as eight points in the first quarter. Um, they played an ugly lineup at the end of the first period that actually had a, a Ty Wallace-Evan Turner stint together. I've been on record as saying that's never going to work. But... Um, a little bit less painful, I would say, uh, at least in theory, with Vince Carter and Kevin Herter both on the floor, at least to provide some shooting there. Still a pair of awful mid-range jump shots in that stretch, from one from Wallace, one from Turner, and they were not being guarded at all. It's pretty clear that the uh, opposing teams are not going to guard those guys in the perimeter, which hurts Atlanta's spacing quite a bit. There was a pretty hideous stretch of basketball on both ends at the end of the first quarter when neither team, neither team could actually score pretty effectively for about a two-and-a-half-minute stretch. No points at all, but the Hawks were up by four points, having shot 57% from the floor and eight assists in the first quarter with nine points for Damian Jones. From there, though, as you might expect, it was all Brooklyn who won the rest of this game by 16 um, after the early going. And uh, the biggest swing quarter of the game, in retrospect, was the second quarter when Brooklyn outscored Atlanta 34-21. to um, The Hawks used the lineup at the early portion of the second quarter that was uh, pretty much unplayable, and it ended up being exactly that. Brandon Goodwin got his one stint at that point in time. It was not only his fault by any means. He played three minutes, so did Bruno Fernando. But it was Goodwin, Fernando, along with Bembry, Reddish, and Vince Carter. That lineup is not tenable in an NBA basketball game, and we saw that. Um, the Nets scored the first six, scored the first eight points of the second quarter, take a 30-26 to lead, and they led the rest of the way. Bruno was lost defensively. We'll come back to them a little bit later. But um, after the timeout, that Lloyd Pierce called in frustrated fashion. Trey Young came back in the game to save the offense, uh, hit back-to-back -back floaters, and uh, he, he had a nice um, stretch offensively. But the defense was kind of a mess from that point forward, honestly. It was a mess in the beginning of the second quarter. A bunch of wide-open threes allowed. Torian Prince had 15 points midway through the, through the second quarter, and the Nets led by eight points. Atlanta did get, did get back within um, two at one point late in the second quarter after a back-to-back uh, -back three stint from Trey Young. Um, but that, then it was an 11-4 run by Brooklyn to end the quarter. Um, at the half, the Nets were only shooting 38% from the floor, but they were still posting a 117 offensive rating because, and this is probably the stat of the night, honestly, the Nets had 14 offensive rebounds in this in the first half and eight in the second quarter. They absolutely bludgeoned Atlanta on the glass. In fact, looking ahead a little bit here, sort of a spoiler alert, um, halfway through the third quarter, the, Haw the Hawks had fewer defensive rebounds than the Nets had offensive rebounds. It was 18 to 16. That is virtually unheard of. And um, while the Hawks do get some credit for cleaning it up uh, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, they were killed on the glass the entire game. It's been a problem that the Hawks have had throughout the season. They're actually dead last in the league coming into tonight in defensive rebounding. And it was definitely a problem throughout this game. We will come back to it. But yeah, just a brutal, brutal thing to see. Um, other than that, you know, not too much to talk about in the, in, for the rest of the first half. Second half, there were some nice signs early on with Trey Young getting to his floater with ease and then hitting back-to-back -back threes. He scored the first eight points of the third quarter for Atlanta. But 
on the defensive end, the Hawks, could, Hawks just couldn't get stops. That was kind of the theme of the entire game. But uh, Atlanta did actually didn't actually had their lead, sorry, had their deficit um, and made larger by the fact that uh, they could not get stops despite Trey cooking on the offensive end of the floor. Damian Jones did have a uh, did sort of tie his career high in scoring, 16 points early in the third quarter. He slowed down from there, but did, did have a career high best game. Uh, but Trey Young had 22 and six in his in his own right in the first 21 minutes of his stint. But um, that was kind of the only bright spot was the offense. Um, the Hawks had a chance to get it to five in the third quarter. Trey got fouled on a three when they were down by eight, and um, and one weird hiccup there. He actually missed two of the three free throws, um, and that from that from that point forward, Brooklyn made it uh, made it interesting in a hurry pushing the lead up to 13 in a hurry when the Hawks did not score for about two minutes straight. Um, Atlanta scored about four, only four points in about three and a half minutes. That really uh, kind of sunk them at that point in time. They called timeout down 13 with about four minutes to go in the third quarter. They did finish decently without Trey Young on the floor, getting back within nine at the end of the third. Um, but that was kind of the last um, bastion of competitiveness in some ways for the Hawks in the fourth quarter. They tried to steal some more minutes without Trey on the court to open the fourth quarter. That did not go very well after they did um, successfully steal some minutes at the end of the third. The beginning of the fourth was not as good. A 9-3 run by Brooklyn to go up by 15 points. Um, to their credit, it wasn't over at that point because Cam Reddish had the best stretch of his career with seven straight points. A personal 7-0 run from Cam Reddish to get the lead from 15 down to 8. And at that point, he already had 23 points early in the fourth quarter. Um, Trey did get it back to 8 one, one more time after a layup. Um, could have been a three-point play, but there was actually a foul called off the ball um, and Jones, Damian Jones was the one that was fouled after a lengthy review. He uh, missed the free throw, which is unfortunate. Um, also, Trey, I want to point this out, had an unreal kickout pass to Jabari Parker. Uh, Parker missed the three, so he didn't get a lot of coverage, but that was an awesome pass by Trey. Just another reminder that he's a, an elite passer in every possible uh, description. Um, after the review to confirm the foul that uh, that preceded the Damian Jones missed free throw. The Hawks um, got a goaltending call, and there was another uh, another challenge. So two challenges, one on both sides, within about 30 seconds of each other. Both were unsuccessful, <laughs> which was kind of funny to see. Uh, Pierce's was unsuccessful, and the Hawks went down by 10 at that point in time. It was probably a frustration challenge from Lloyd. He seemed to be pre-perturbed at that point in time. It was probably a bad challenge, and the Hawks only had one timeout from that point forward. It didn't bite them because the game wasn't as close as it could have been, but that could have been something to circle as a probably a not optimal decision from Lloyd. Um, the Hawks got down then by 13 after a three from Garrett Temple. Um, they did answer offensively and did score decently, I would say, the entire um, rest of the, of the second half. Honestly, the Hawks scored 71 points in the second half. It was not the offense that was the problem. They just could not get stops. That was the theme throughout. A couple of easy buckets to get it up to 16, and that was basically it at 117-101. From there, it was kind of all garbage time. They got it down to 14 a couple times, and there was one moment of uh, levity in the fourth quarter when the crowd was awarded with free Chick-fil-A when Dinwiddie missed both free throws for the Nets. But uh, yeah, at that point in time, getting down by 16 with about five minutes to go, that was the end of that, and the Hawks succumbed by a final score of 130 to 118. So big picture stuff here. Um, offensively, we'll start with the positive here. The offense was actually good in this game. Uh, a 114 offensive rating, that is more than enough to win, particularly at home on most occasions. If you wanted to find one kryptonite, I would say the Hawks missing eight free throws. They shot 13 of 21 from the free throw line. Damian Jones was four of nine. That does hurt in some ways, but it didn't kill them. They shot 53% from the floor, which is very, very solid. 35% from three is respectable. Um, 60 turnovers is probably a little bit too many, but it's not nothing crazy. Um, the Hawks just could not, um, you know, overcome their bad defense in this game is the best way to put that because defensively the Hawks allowed a 126 defensive rating. I did think through about the first two and a half quarters, the defense portion in terms of just contesting shots and executing was not that bad for Atlanta. The problem was that 
they could not get a, they could not close the possession with a defensive rebound, and that really sunk them for about the first two and a half three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, they just kind of gave up all together, and they were allowing easy buckets and easy threes, and the defense kind of collapsed. So it was kind of a perfect storm. The Nets did make a lot of shots in this game. To their credit, they were 50% um, from the floor and 45% from three to go along with 16 of 18 from the free throw line. So they had advantages in uh, a couple of different spots there for for Brooklyn. But the 18 offensive rebounds are the story of the game for me. Um, you know, Atlanta's defense is not good under any circumstances. Um, always most circumstances, but uh, Brooklyn took advantage of the bad defensive rebounding, bludgeoned them on the glass. Jared Allen had seven, off seven offensive rebounds by himself, and the Nets um, put up a number that you just can't you can't withstand. And you know, the Hawks, you know, in a game the Hawks played well again, well offensively in this game, and still lost by 12 points at home. That's just, that's how bad the defense was. And because you know at the end of the day, defense can be pretty solid, but if you can't close the possession with a defensive rebound, it gets ugly in a hurry. And they just could not do it in this game, and that led to uh, what became a fairly decisive loss, even if it was kind of I would say closer than this for the vast majority of the contest. Um, after a short break, we will come back and talk about the individual players in this game. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you, tell you about the good folks at MyBookie. Between football season, NBA season, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sidelines and into the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the place to let you turn all of your sports knowledge into cash. And if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Are you tired of watching games on the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie will get your mind off of everything else and back on the game itself. So if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $100, sorry, an extra $1,000 in free money to play with, and so on and so on. If you were to deposit $200, you get $100 of free money, all that fun stuff. Do the math at your long leisure there. But use, your, use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Take advantage of my, MyBookie's generous sign-up offer in this space. Visit MyBookie.ag today. One more time, it's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, we're back with the individual stuff in this game. I will start on the bench, as I often do. And uh, honestly, it was pretty ugly off the bench. There was one bright spot, so I will start there out of courtesy. And that is Alex Lynn played quite well, I thought, in this game. 18 points for Lynn in 17 minutes. He was 9 of 13 from the floor, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block shot. He was the only guy on the team that could grab a defensive rebound on a consistent basis in this game. Uh, I thought Lynn was quite good. Uh, we talked about this a little bit with Seth yesterday. I do think that Len is by far the best option. Um, you know, the offensive stuff in this game was mostly created by Trey Young and other guys in pick and roll. It wasn't as if Len was di was dicing up <laughs> Brooklyn on his own offensively, but he was a, a nice play finisher. He was efficient, and uh, defensively he made a lot of plays in this game. He's one of the only guys who really held up defensively. So shouts to Alex Len for playing quite well and giving the Hawks a chance to win. In fact, he was plus four in his 17 minutes of play on the court. Um, elsewhere on the bench, though, not a whole lot to be positive about. Um, Fernando and Goodwin played one stint together. Um, I would not play those guys together moving forward necessarily. Both both were scoreless. The Hawks were minus eight in that three minutes, and uh, pretty ugly in a lot of ways from those two guys. Particularly Fernando's defense was a mess, and uh, you know it's a rookie thing. But you know, he, and he, and he, he had played three days in a row, which is worth pointing out. But not great for Bruno in this game. Vince Carter, two points in eleven minutes, uh, no rebounds was. Noteworthy to me, given the way he's playing power forward. He uh, struggled defensively, I thought, in this game with minus 11. Did not play particularly well. Evan Turner um, had some moments, but was minus 19. Uh, two points, 
21 minutes from, from Evan Turner, 1 of 4 from the floor. He was not being guarded, but some good passing from Evan, as, as he's often uh, want to do with four assists and three rebounds. He did a couple of things well, but um, three turnovers as well. It wasn't a great game from Turner, I didn't think. And then Ty Wallace, four, so only four minutes for Ty Wallace. Uh, 0-2 from the floor, 0-1 from three. A couple of jump shots that did not have uh, a good look on them, but good defense in his stint, and that's worth pointing out as well. Last guy on the bench, Kevin Herter. I said before, 15 minutes of play, that was his absolute max in terms of what Pierce said after, uh, Sorry, before the game about how much he would play in this game. So no, no big surprise, they only played that much, did not start as a result of that. No points, two assists, a steal, and a block shot, and a, and a rebound. I thought defensively he looked okay. Um, offensively, very timid from Kevin. Not a huge surprise there, given the way that he uh, came back in this game. Had a, had a couple nice flash moments, but he's someone who's now come off of a couple injuries and always been timid, it seems like, when he's uh, getting settled back in. I'm not sure if that's going to be something that's always going to happen to Herter when, when and if he gets hurt. But um, it'll be more interesting to more interesting to me to see how he looks on Sunday after three days off and actually getting this game under his under his legs. So he was timid, he was passive, and hopefully he uh, starts to open things up in a more confident way beginning on Sunday. But it was just good to have him on the court. Honestly, the shooting there and the ball handling are uh, vital for Atlanta alongside Trey Young and others. Um, to the starting lineup, I thought Jabari Parker really struggled in this game. I know he was 5-9 from the floor with 10 points, 3 rebounds, but 3 turnovers. Defensively, he was a mess. This was, this was bad Jabari for most of the night. Defensively, rebounding as well was not was not aggressive. Kind of just a sleepy game from him. He did, he did what he was asked to do a little bit offensively, but didn't have a too, didn't have too much there. It is one of those nights where if Jabari's not a game changer or at least something like that offensively, it's tough to play him a lot. The Hawks have to play him right now because there's not a whole lot of options. But I thought he was uh, definitely below average by his standards in this game. Uh, DeAndre Bembry, same sort of thing from him. A little bit different, of course, than Parker. But one of nine from the floor, 0 of five from three. I'm okay with him shooting five threes because they were all open. It wasn't like he was forcing shots. He's just got to make a little bit of those. Maybe even one wouldn't be just terrible, but 0-5 is brutal. Um, offensively, it was a mess from DeAndre. It's just a habit sometimes with him. But um, defensively, he had two he had two block shots, made some things happen defensively, but four assists, four rebounds. It was definitely a below-average game from DeAndre as well, I would say, despite the fact that I think he was probably a little bit better than the one of nine from the floor would indicate. Um, the three guys who I think had, you know, other than Alex Lynn, who I talked about a second ago, had standout performances in this game offensively were Reddish, Jones, and Young. Uh, we'll talk about Jones first. Eight of eight from the floor. That is pretty much, again, all just like Len, all dictated by guys creating shots for him. But he finished them. He said he's definitely a big-time lob threat, and he has nice chemistry with Trey Young in that way. A career-high 20 points for Damian. In fact, he set his career-high on, on Monday with 16 points and followed up with another career-high tonight with 20. So uh, a nice little stretch there from Damian Jones offensively. I will plug a um, quickly a Q&A that was done by Daniel Comer, a new P uh, writer, writer over there at Peachtree Hoops with me. Um, and he actually caught up with Damian Jones um, after the game on Monday. That is up on the site right now if you were interested more about what happened with Damian Jones there. But I thought Damian, you know, played well offensively. Defensively, it's not good right now. Uh, some of the numbers are really, really ugly with Damian on the court defensively this season, particularly with him and Trey Young and, and Jabari Parker. That threesome is not tenable defensively. We kind of know that at this point. Um, unfortunately, that's probably their best offensive trio <laughs> in some respects, at least without Herter in the, in the recent past. So, there's a lot of give and take there, but um, Damian, good offensively, bad defensively, couldn't really get... I mean, rebounding to his credit in this game, he had six, six defensive rebounds. It was not all him by any means, but um, he gives he gives a lot back on the defensive end of the floor so far in his career with the Hawks. Um, next on the list, I will talk about Trey Young. Um, I will save Cam Reddish for the end on this podcast. You know, usually it's Trey that we talk about last, and obviously Trey had the best statistical night of anybody. 39 points, 10 assists, three rebounds for Young on, again, very good efficiency. 
13 of 23 from the floor, 5 of 9 from 3, 8 of 10 from the free throw line. There were two different stretches in this game where Trey was just virtually unguardable. When he's knocking down shots from 27 feet away, you just can't do anything with him. Obviously, the, the size stuff um, is real, but if he's going to shoot the ball like that and the way that he passes the ball, there's just nothing you can do as, as opposing defense. And the Hawks were plus one in his um, 37 minutes. So that tells a lot of the story, honestly, in this game as, the, as it has throughout the season. As I talk about all the time, there's a reason I kind of write down whenever he leaves the game what the score is because Trey Young, plus one in 37 minutes, and the Hawks lost by 12. That is, um, it's not all that all the time, but it's a pretty good indica indication that the Hawks just can't score when he leaves the court, and uh, nothing new there. But, you know, individually, Trey was masterful offensively in this game. Um, you know, you can't really ask him to do too much more than what he did in this game, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the Hawks just couldn't get stops to help him out a little bit more in this game. Uh, lastly, we'll go to Cam Reddish here. Uh, before we get to the actual stats and stuff like that, um, Lloyd Pierce was actually asked about Cam in this game, who obviously had the best game of his career offensively, and here's what he had to say about his uh, rookie swingman. Yeah, you know, he scored his first five points on the first two shots, and, you know, I think that helps with any player, um, you know, to see the ball go in the basket, to feel good about it. And then, you know, the best part was it was from start to finish. There was really no drop off in terms of his aggression and his shot making. You know, they, his points came in bunches and they came at different points, periods of the game. And for him to play consistently and score consistently all night was, uh, was most impressive. But uh, it's just good to see. I think now that relieves some pressure and you know he knows he can do it now it's about backing it up and continuing to put in the work that he's been putting in um, but it's really good to see more importantly I would definitely echo what Lloyd had to say about Reddish getting it going early on. I said that a little bit earlier in the podcast as well, but his first five points, he came out aggressive. Um, he's certainly been a player so far in his career with the Hawks where if he does play well early, you can certainly see the confidence grow in him throughout the game, and he's just a different player when he's playing with confidence. You know, The shooting has, has come and gone, obviously, this season. His numbers are really, really ugly in terms of his shooting overall, but We've now seen this two or three, maybe in four times this season, where if he has something good, a couple things good go for him in the first quarter, he usually plays better. And a lot of that is a rookie thing, uh, just kind of needing confidence, but might, might just be his personality type as well. But just Cam was great in this game offensively. You, I mean, I've obviously said a lot about his offensive struggles so far this season. I, I was not surprised by that. Um, you know, coming into the draft, I liked that pick quite a bit for the Hawks. I was high on Reddish. I had him number six on my board for the Hawks. But... Um, I was expecting it to take a while, and it's taken a while. Um, defensively, he's had some really nice moments throughout the season, um, but offensively, this is, again, by far his best offensive game of the season. I know he had the one um, nice game on the road trip, but this was a start-to-finish, like, just like Lloyd Pierce said there, this is a start-to-finish positive offensive game for Reddish. He had 25 points, 6 rebounds, um, 10 of 17 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3. That's a big thing. Um, you know, he took, he took I, I think I would describe it as 2 pretty bad mid-range shots that he probably has to cut out of his arsenal, but the way that he shot the ball with confidence from three is huge. The way that he attacked the rim, he had a great finish over over, um, over length with Jared Allen. That's something I've been really skeptical of with Reddish is his finishing around the rim, and it's still, it's, it's, a, it's a point of, of contention for a lot of people. But even just seeing that once, it's not a small thing for me. Um, so I thought Cam was, again, great in this game. You know, Trey was still the best player on the offense. Don't, don't get me wrong about this, but I wanted to make sure I highlighted what, what Reddish was able to do because um, offensively it was a very, very nice thing to see from him. And if you're trying to find a bright spot from this game, all things considered, it probably is the play of Reddish, even if Trey was better, obviously, with the way that he played offensively in the spot. So, again, last but not least here, I, I want to just say, you know, this is a winnable game for the Hawks in a lot of ways. They were not able to win it, but uh, alas, we will uh, press on. Um, 
Last thing here, I want to, I want to tell you about the schedule, the schedule the rest of the week on the podcast. I'm probably going to have one show between now and the game on Sunday um, against the Charlotte Hornets. I'm not sure when it's going to be just yet. I have a tentative guest lined up for Thursday night. If that happens, the podcast will be up Thursday night into Friday morning. Uh, if not, it'll be me uh, by myself with a couple of ideas that I could dig into for a podcast. But there will probably be at least one show between now and Sunday night. Um, I'm going to be in the building up in Charlotte on Sunday. I'm going to drive up there. So a lot of travel time associated with that one. So nothing uh, terribly groundbreaking, but I will have have a podcast either from the arena or from the hotel that I stay in uh, up there in Charlotte. Um, regardless, I will have another show um, after that game on Sunday. That's, that's the next time the Hawks play. Um, I don't anticipate anything huge breaking news to happen between now and then, um, but we'll see. If, if something happens, I will always break in. But please tell a friend about the podcast. Please subscribe via the platform of your choice. And all, honestly, if you like the if you like the pod, uh, leave a five-star feedback for me. I really appreciate everybody that's already done that too. It help, helps us to be discovered by some other people. And uh, thank you as always for listening. That'll do it for tonight's podcast. But we will see everybody later on in the week.